Shona Project Podcast. It's hosted by myself, Alison Curtis, and Shona founder, Tammy Darcy. Thanks, Alison. So the Shona Project has been empowering the young women and girls of Ireland for many, many years. And one of the things we've noticed is that we're always inundated by messages from parents who just want to know how they can raise their daughters to be strong, confident and self-assured young women. And I have a 12 year old and you have an 18 year old. So we're on both sides of these years. So there's lots and lots to discuss. And each week we want to have an expert on to help us with a specific topic and including things like body image, bullying, boundaries, social media and all of that. And you can always send in your suggestions for topics to be covered on the podcast, podcast at Shona.ie or stay in touch online. Yes, so our website is Shona.ie and uh, yeah, let's get started. So this being our first episode, we're going to get back to basics and talk about communication. Tammy, this is exciting. We finally are doing this. The Shona Project podcast. We have been planning this for (laughs) so long. All our kids will be raised with grandchildren. I I know, by the time. (laughs) So Tammy Darcy, Alison Curtis, we were talking about this uh, right before we started recording. And you're like, I don't remember who reached out to who first. And you did to me. And I remember I was super excited about it. But it has to be the length of growing a human now at this stage. It's a nine month. It's our baby. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's because we're both so busy and we have so much going on. And this is kind of like a little passion project that we've been talking about doing for so long. Both of us really genuinely care about it. And if I'm honest with you, I think we both over thought it. (laughs) We have to get this right. This is our first time seeing each other after numerous FaceTimes, phone calls, face to face in the same room. So delighted about that. So the Shona Project, this is your baby and this has been your baby for a really long time. People listening to this will know it. Mm -hmm. There might be some people who don't. So I'd love for you to explain to people the Shona Project. We are a non-profit organisation. We have been around for seven years now. Um, I started from my kitchen table in 2016 and just set up the very first like WordPress blog page for it. And um, I suppose our mission is really to empower and inspire the young women and girls of Ireland so that they can achieve their potential. I just, you know, over the years through my own experience and then other experiences I've had with, I was a football coach for a long time and Mm. I met so many young girls and I was like these girls are really struggling and it really triggered me back to how I felt at that age and when I felt like that at that age I was I thought I was the only one who felt that way um, so we started the non-profit back in 2016. Um, it's called after my sister, Shona. So one one of the big challenges that I had as a teenager was that my older sister, who's a year older than me, was diagnosed with a brain injury when she was 15. I was 14 at the time. Um, and she lived her entire life in full-time nursing care and never got to achieve her potential. Mm-hmm. But for me as a teenager, I never, like we just never talked about it we never it was never really it was just I don't know if it was like of the time or what but it was just like let's just carry on like everything is fine living with trauma yeah living with trauma but also living with huge grief Mm -hmm. um and if I'm honest like starting the Shona project as a testament to her first of all I felt like her name had meaning and her life had meaning I felt like we were doing it together as sisters and it brought a huge amount of healing to me mm-hmm. and I'm a big believer in turning something negative into something positive um, and she passed away earlier this year sadly but the comfort that we've had of the legacy that's there for her which is not remarkable. Many people get is is you know 
really important to it us. It is. So, yeah. And it's it's a different, very different kind of grief to be living with someone who is physically still alive, but they aren't who they were before. Yeah. I, I mean, we go through so many complex things and a lot of these girls go through complex, whether it's that or something like it or something mm-hmm. totally different. But I think... Um, being able to talk to them. For a lot of the girls that we talk to, it's not that they want you to fix it. They just want you to acknowledge it. Yeah. They just want to feel like they're not the only ones. Um, And I think, you know, that's why we decided to do this podcast because so many parents feel so helpless. They don't know how to communicate. They don't know. And I think... Tammy, in the last week, I've started to get really bad as in forecasting the teenage years and it's a few things have happened that I'm like, I don't know how to cope. So the timing... It's perfect. So I'm at the beginning of the teenage years mm-hmm. with Joan. You have Freya, who's 18 at the moment. Yes. So you have the lived experience mm-hmm. and Freya has the lived experience. Yeah. So we think that we're perfect for bookending this. I think so. Like I've I, I ha- had the Shona project the whole way through Freya's teenage years, yeah. but I learned a hell of a lot as a parent. You know, I think as parents, even those of us that consider ourselves to be good and active parents, we really want to do our best. Sometimes we try and fix everything for them, which means that they don't develop the tools that they need themselves. And Mm -hmm. when they don't have those tools and they don't feel equipped, I think that actually stresses them out even more and stresses us out even more. So I know we just want them to be happy, but sometimes we just have to step off a little bit. Step back. So this the purpose of this podcast is it's for teenagers to listen to as well, but it's primarily for parents. And we're going to make each episode very pretty specific to deal with certain issues mm-hmm. and we hope that people can use it as a resource and dip in and dip out but very much as a as a compliment to what the Shona project does around the country in different schools. Yeah, so every time we do a workshop we get frantic messages from parents afterwards that say oh my daughter's struggling with anxiety or Mm. you know we can't communicate and one of the things I've really noticed is when they start talking about it I don't know if you've noticed this but they start to whisper they go down a few octaves like my daughter has anxiety oh right and that immediately means is this something you should be ashamed of I don't think it is the fact that your daughter has anxiety and she gets up every day and goes to school is something you should be proud of Mm -hmm. so even just to, to watch that so there's so many parents out there with so many questions I have a lot of experience meeting these girls. I've met over 100,000 now at this stage and heard all their stories. So I can give my perspective. But we thought that we'd bring in some experts as well to help us figure out solutions. Completely. Will you talk me through some research that you guys did yourselves in the recent recent months as well? Yeah, so it was actually this time last year we did a national survey with the Irish Second Level Students Union. We wanted to just like take the temperature, what's going on with our girls. Um. 60% 60% have worries that nobody knows about, that they don't talk to anybody about. 60%? 60%. It's going to get worse. Brace Tammy, yourself. I am an open book. <laughs> I am a 90s, 80s kid. Um, 90% said that they feel negatively about themselves. Oh, God. 61% said that they feel loved. 32% said they feel that they're enough. Um, 61% feel unsafe while they're out and about. Okay. Uh, this one was really funny because it was absolutely on the nose 87%. So 87% said they struggle with their body image and their self-esteem mm-hmm. and 87% said that they struggle with anxiety or stress or, or worries. Literally bang on, bang on. the same amount. Yeah. Um, 81% agree that social media negatively affects their mental health and I know we're going to talk about that one soon. Yeah. But the one that really stood out for me and shocked me, even though I, I knew the other stuff was we asked girls, do they feel that they had the same opportunities in life that the boys would? Do you want to have a guess? I'd say 62% said no. 
20% said yes. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. So oh only one God. in five girls said feel yes. that the same opportunities are open to them that there are for the in boys. 2023. In 2023. Mm. Like, that is so shocking yeah that me. is so definitely that just goes to show that there needs to be a Shona project and there needs to be resources there for parents Absolutely. as well so I think that's what yeah. we're trying to do and Tammy like we know like um our childhoods and things that we didn't discuss and now that things have evolved and we do talk more and that we're different parents to what our parents were and there's more ideally acceptance about what it means to be a girl what it means to be you know when you're growing up so we hope that all that comes through as well and we really want this to be a resource for people and our first person that we're going to talk to because we are going to cover as you say online Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about eating we're going to talk about anxiety we're going to do all of these things in these podcasts this podcast but our first person is uh, psychotherapy psychotherapist Joanna Fortune Dr. Joanna Fortune mm. and before we get her onto the podcast when I was speaking to her about the podcast she said something that really stood out for me and she said listen we know that the junior years are fun and then we always associate the teenage years with the struggle and mm. butting heads and fighting and tantrums and anger and she's like I want the fun to be there too and I loved that Yeah, it's something I really am conscious of myself when I talk about the experiences of teenage girls because I I hear the really negative, you know, and I hear of girls who are going through such an awful time in Mm -hmm. school. And I try not to dwell on that as well. I mean, I think it's important that we talk about it, but like, let's focus on the positives, on the solutions, on how we can empower them, on how we can encourage them to do better, how they can define what it means to be a woman for themselves and feel like they can go and achieve whatever. That's what we're really here to do. We have to kind of look at the negatives every now and again, just to kind of get a little bit of perspective as to why we're here. It's not all bad, but yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Just try and stay positive. Positive. Find like actual practical tools that you and I can use. Yes. And I'd be like, why didn't I hear that six years ago when my daughter was 12? Um, Yeah. And just try and try and... Tammy, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good. We're Mm going to do well here. You have the Shine Festival in October. Yes. So we're really busy at the moment. Over the last few years, we've had workshops with over 30,000 girls. We've given, just this week actually, we've 35,000 copies of our survival handbook going out to first year girls in school. Um, We have ambassadors in schools all over Ireland, but our baby really is Shine Festival. And Shine Festival happens October the 11th and 12th to celebrate International Day of the Girl. We have 2,000 girls coming in person to that event, but we've also developed a resource called Shine Festival festival.ie and I'd really love people to know that it's there because there's over 150 speakers on that on everything from mental health career sports the arts um, social issues they care about body yeah. image like literally any single thing that a young girl could be struggling with so yeah. I, I would encourage both parents and the girls themselves to go take a look at that So I'll talk to Joanna because you are busy at the I'm moment. very busy Yeah, You're lucky I'm here today Yeah, <laughs> And tell me we're going to set up an email as well for the podcast series and if people mm. want to get in touch with us for different ideas Yeah so we've got the first few episodes pretty much nailed down I think but after that we're really open to because we'll have the experts in Uh, bringing questions or Mm. themes to them that parents feel they'd like to have addressed. So I'm going to set up an email address. It's just podcast at Shona.ie. And if anyone has anything that they'd like us to talk about, we'd love to hear from them. We would. Great. Yay. All right. Let's talk to Dr. Joanna Fortin now. Oh, 
as promised, it is great. Dr. Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist, is joining us for our very first episode of the Shona Project podcast. And Tammy is busy with the Shine Project, which I know you know about, Joanna. I know. Wow, so it's you fantastic. Just have me today. I hope that. Oh, we'll okay. we'll muddle through. <laughs> so we were thinking really long and hard. And we mentioned this before about how to start this series because mm-hmm. we want this to very much be a resource for parents, for people to kind of dip into different episodes and you know really rely on the experts for help as their daughters embark on their teenage years. So we thought you would be ideal for the very first episode. Well, I'm delighted to be here. I love the Shona Project and everything that they're doing. It's incredible. So I'm delighted to have this conversation. These are really important conversations to have. Now, your daughter is six and a half. Oh, I'm miles away from this. Yeah. (laughs) You'd be surprised, Joanna, how fast it goes. So Tammy's daughter's 18. My daughter is 12. So maybe we're being a little bit selfish in doing this. Is how we want your advice. So as I suppose in my position, as my daughter is about to embark on her teenage years, like a lot of people are, what would be some things that you really want parents to think about? A lot of the work that I do and where my focus comes in is about strengthening and enhancing the connection between parent and child, teenager, young adult, whatever stage we are at, that once there is a connection we can then focus on anything that's correction oriented. I think we do too quick. We go into this whole, this behaviour is an issue, that's behaviour an issue. How do I fix it, correct it, change it? And actually correction occurs within connection. So I'm always the starting point is talk to me about each other. Talk to me about your relationship. How do you wish it could be. And that's where we start from, okay. because I really think that's worth investing in. And that, you know, connection, I don't say that lightly, Alison, because coming into the teenage years, that's the thing that is under immense pressure very quickly. Yeah. Because of all of the the myriad of changes that are occurring, be that biological, hormonal, neurological, psychosocial, emotionally, yeah. there's so much going on. And I think With parents, when I'm talking to parents and any parents listening now, just even momentarily, that's often all it takes, think, how were you as a teenager? And if you think I was marvellous, imagine I was asking your sibling that question about you. What would they say about you as a teenager? Yeah. Because we can forget that we've come through this. And I don't mean that in a, you know, so don't be having a go at your teenager because you were one once also. But I think about it from that empathic piece. In order to really empathically connect, which is very difficult at this stage, but to do that, we have to be able to go somewhere in us that knows that feeling, that knows that experience. Yeah, I know in the last number of weeks, I've really noticed just in the last number of weeks with my daughter that we're probably quick to anger with each other, but also that if I offer advice she either goes, you're silly, I don't believe you, or she just doesn't want it, or she won't even listen, she'll talk over me. And what she said yesterday, she's like, sometimes I just want to tell you what the problem is. I don't necessarily want you to solve it. Is that something we should all consider? She is a wise little one. (laughs) That is, I mean, that's exactly the message I would say, that the value of just listening, and I get it because as parents, and with my parent hat on, the to see your child struggle with something, every instinct in you is, I want to jump in there and fix this. I don't want you to suffer. I don't want you to struggle. I want to make this easier for you. But we can sabotage learning. We can sabotage independence. We can sabotage that route to self-regulation if we always jump in to minimize dismiss and we do that. We do that as parents. We say, oh, that's not a big deal. Don't worry about that. 
And actually your child has brought it to you because it's a big deal. Yeah. So I think often what young people want is just somebody to listen. Yeah. And when you listen to keep yourself in the moment and we can do this thing, you know, we all have these little behaviours that I would define as biological rudeness. We don't intend them to be rude. But they are perceived by somebody else as rude. Biological rudeness. You know, so you might be talking. Do Canadians have that as well? Oh, I I believe it's culturally (laughs) forbidden. (laughs) That's interesting. But it could be these tiny behaviours that you're not even aware of. That, you know, when your child is talking to you, you look at the clock over their head. You're not saying, speed this up, I'm in a rush. You're saying, I've got to get the dinner on or i got to make sure so-and-so was picked up from soccer or whatever it might be. But your child can perceive that as... You're done with me. Mm-hmm. And immediately the walls come down. And we all have them. Like for me, for example, if I'm talking with someone and they say, oh, I know how you feel. I will stop talking because right. I understand that, oh, you want to tell me about your version of this story now. And that will stop me. Okay. Other people would experience that differently. They would say, oh, no, if someone tells me they know how I feel, it helps me to go deeper. So this isn't a kind of give me what those are, Joanna, and I won't do them. Yeah. We have to learn. And it's that moment of disconnect when you can feel your teenager suddenly, abruptly pull away from you. And you could say, what happened there? What got into their head? Or you could say, oh, something has shifted. I think I've done something. So what do we do in that Oh, moment? catch it. Catch I th- it. say, I th- oh, I notice you're pulling away or I notice you're shutting down. I think I've done something okay. that has caused this. I really am here with you. And if it's a case of I really do have to collect another sibling now, it is this is a really big, important conversation and I want to be fully present with you. So I'm hitting our pause button and at eight o'clock this evening, we're going to pick it back up. Do you find, Joanna, as well that um, children aren't that prepared or have that energy to answer certain questions when you collect them? Like it is definitely I know and I've spoken about this with friends that and I collect more than Joan every day. There's like two or three in the car and they're always like, meh, fine. And I know that Joan will come to me eight o'clock or something like that and go, actually, something I forgot to tell you happened today. Because that's when we're winding down. Yeah. When we pick our children up from school, no matter what stage of school they're at, and we do the, who'd you see? Where'd you go? What happened? What happened? Did you learn anything? What was good? What was that? (laughs) They are done with the Q&A part of their day. They are. They have been questioned all day. They are tired. Always look at the overt behavior I'm seeing, that sulky, withdrawn, shut down. What is it underpinned by? Hungry? thirsty, tired and emotionally overwhelmed, overstimulated, in withdrawal. Actually, I respect that and I'm going to maybe ask one question. Yeah. Do you know what I, Dr. Alex George was on the Mm. show. I can't remember when. It was about on my weekend breakfast show a couple of months ago. And he said one of the best things that he found and talked to other parents about was the green, amber, red And you ask that every day consistently. And if the child's in the amber quite often, you know that there's a problem, certainly if they're in the red. But if they're in the green, nine days in an amber, you've got a good pattern. So I started doing that. And I was like, Joan, is it a green, amber, red day? And it's minimal output from Joan. She just has to say that because the other way to put it is just to say, what do you need from me Yeah. now? And it could be a snack, nothing, silence. I can give that to you. That's brilliant. And so I'm responding yes. to your needs. But you were talking about, you know, when Joan is saying, I just want you to listen. And I think one of the things we do is we sabotage experience with our fix or change agenda. It's, yeah. it's coming from a good place. We all do it, by the way. But I also think that value of learning, because I really believe that your daughter's age and upwards, they spend a lot of their day away from us. And if they learn that the only way their challenges get resolved is by us, 
Right. Then they have to sit in that rupture or dysregulation all day away from us because they don't believe they know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And then they're coming back to us and they've been sitting, whatever it might be, six, eight hours that we've been apart. And of course, they're, where did this come from? But actually that crescendo has been building in them all day. all day. I'd much rather that young people know there are tangible, practical things that they can do to master these tension rousing experiences that do occur every the, day. Just inevitable. You know, they are. And there are certain things that are the over and above level that do need somebody else to support you and help you through. And there are things that you think I'm getting anxious. I can feel I call them the uh oh feelings. I can feel those uh oh feelings building in me. And what are practical things that I can do in the now? So I will work with teenagers. This works with adults, too, by the way, but with teenagers to get yourself out of the situation. So break the moment of tension if you can. Excuse yourself to the bathroom, for example. In the cubicle, I want to give you something you can do in one minute or less because nobody wants to be spending ages in the cubicle in the toilet because Mm. you just raise more questions. So in the cubicle, take a square of toilet paper because it's right there. Hold it with your index finger against the back of the door or against a wall. Stand, you know, kind of blowing distance from that. Take a deep breath in through your nose and as you exhale, Your breath will hold the tissue against the surface. Lift your finger and see how long can you hold the tissue with your breath. As your breath is running out, catch it with your finger and reset and repeat that three times. For your body, that is the same as taking three deep breaths and exhaling. But in the history of feeling stressed, has anyone saying to you, Take a deep breath and calm down. Remember to do Ever calmed you down. It's it's actually quite annoying when you're in heightened state. But when you're focused on the regulation of breath and on that toilet roll. Something physical. You can do that in that moment right there. So I like to give one minute or less techniques. Little toolkit that when you're away from me, this it won't cure anxiety. It will take the edge off the escalation in the moment. And when you get back to me, we can work on this together. But Joanna, isn't it about having um, our daughters in particular develop a greater awareness of their needs and when they occur and, as you say, techniques to kind of help with those needs, but also something I would have talked about with friends back in the day when we were younger, we weren't talking about this and we weren't talking about how putting yourself forward ahead of others sometimes, not at the expense of others, but ahead of others Mm -hmm. is not a bad thing. And that, you know, we were always taught that to be people pleasers, basically, women and girls. And, there's and to a generation, suppress ambition. Suppress it. And there's generations of women ahead of us that are like, don't cause a hassle, just eat that roast beef, even though it's making you feel ill, like that kind of thing. Yes. So we need to talk to our daughters about how that is not a bad thing. And you're not doing something wrong when you put yourself ahead of, when you put, you recognize your needs and you do something about them. And your desires. Yeah. If you're sitting there and you really want to put your hand up and you really want to volunteer because you know I will be good at that and I would have fun doing that, but I don't want to seem like I'm a show off and I don't want to seem so I'd rather wait till somebody asks me and say, hey, I'm available and willing to do that. I would like to do it. I think we need to give more opportunity for who would like to do this, who thinks they would enjoy this. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying in that who thinks they're going to be good at this because... It's not about that. It should never be about that. That will come with that confidence. But I do think we need to encourage our girls. But we can say as a a parental cheerleader, if you like, come on, you can do it. It's much more important that that's integrated. And I believe that I can do it. And that comes from within me. 
Yeah. So it is about, you know, it's in you yeah. and to do that from the youngest age. So, you know, like you said, my little one is quite young, but I'm already conscious that we are parenting towards adolescence. And so a lot of the things I don't want to start when she's 14. Of course. I can start a lot of it now. And a lot of that is about being very specific with my praise, avoiding you're amazing. Instead saying, I really love the way you gave that your full focus. You sat there for ages because you wanted it just so. You took time picking those colours and I love the way you lined them up. Very specific with praise and all the research shows us that when we are, that we teach our children that self-esteem coming from that is much more sustainable because we teach them, oh, I could build on that. That's something I can continue doing. If I tell you every finger painting you bring home is amazing and I laser it onto every mug I can give to everybody, you learn from me. I have to be amazing to please you. Yeah. And that's not the message you want. You don't have to be amazing. You have to be doing what you do for yourself. And I agree with you. Putting yourself forward is not at the expense of others, but we also don't hold ourselves back to please others. It's really so tricky. Joanna, one of the things about Tammy and I really wanted to ask you was, you know, how can we work with our girls from an early age into those teen years to work together about setting up rules and boundaries Mm. as opposed to against one another instead of clashing? And I always say it to Joan, I'm like, I don't want us to be that stereotype. But then this past summer, I was at our cottage in Canada. My sister, who was very... um, observant and is very close to my daughter and I as she's my twin, her aunt, and doesn't say a lot. So when she says something, you really listen up. And I was giving out about something and she's like, I'm going to tell you now and I don't want you to get mad. And this is the first time I'm telling you, but you are identical as people. So that is why anything that she does that annoys you, you're annoying me with that. (laughs) That's so shrewd an observation, though, because often when we get annoyed with our kids and we get frustrated with our teenagers and we snap at them. I'm saying when, by the way, not if. I'm saying when, when, when. (laughs) It is going to happen because they're of us. All right. So what's happening in that is I'm not actually frustrated by what my child is doing. Yes. What I have gotten activated internally. So something in what they have done or said has triggered me. And I am reacting from that trigger. That mm-hmm. activation. It was good she said it to me because I've been aware of it since. But what what about working together to set rules yeah. and boundaries instead of against? Because this is something that all parents with their daughters heading into teenage years, that they're like, okay, we need a bit of a system. I think exactly what you said. We need to sit down and talk about this. It, and don't wait until you're in the middle of a, a row to have this conversation. No. Wait till you're calm. Go for a walk. Sit in the car in a drive. Talk side by side. Make it less intense and more comfortable. And do not approach it with that way of I need to talk to you, which it gives everybody the nonverbal cue. Yeah. I'm in trouble. I have to quickly work out what you found out so that I can apologize appropriately and minimize this. But that's not connection. Nobody, I mean, nobody is ever going to say, hey, my mom or dad, thank you for those boundaries. No. I loved those. (laughs) They really stood me good in adolescence. But we are thanked in how our teenagers internalise those boundaries and live their lives and choices they make. So we have to trust in this. Trust is fundamental. I often think of adolescence as a second bite at the developmental apple. If we were to go back to toddler years, it's boundaries and limits we're talking about then. We say no. No, you can't have ice cream. We're having dinner. No, we can't go outside. It's a thunderstorm. No, We say no and we explain why. And it's really important that we do explain our no's. We don't justify them. We don't have to sell them, but we do need to contextualize them. When we're putting boundaries down, we have to understand it's not about rigidity. A rule is rigid. Mm. 
Okay. Because I said so, there is no flexibility. You break the rule, there is a consequence. A boundary is and should be different to that. A boundary is about structure. It bends without breaking. It is flexible and adaptable. Pick your battles. Everything is not a battle. Mm-hmm. And especially in adolescence, because what's happening for me as a teenager is I'm going through these stages of adjustment where I developmentally desire more privacy. I will tell you less. Therefore, you want to know more. You're on. What are you keeping from me? What's happening? You have to be able to tolerate. I will not know everything. And again, just go back to your teenage years and think, did my parents know everything that I was doing? In my case, yes, I was boring and an open book. In my sister's (laughs) case, absolutely not. Well, mine did not. (laughs) And they absolutely, to this day, still do not need to know some of those things. But we have to accept that as we often talk about, you know, adjustments happening with teenagers growing up. And I think we put a burden of responsibility on them. You're the one changing. I've stayed the same. I'm going to call that. That's the problem. Okay. They're changing. They're supposed to change. But our parenting is supposed to grow up in line with their growth and development. So the strategies that worked with our children very effectively when they were eight, nine, ten years old. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I don't know why this isn't working now. They don't listen. They don't do this. They don't do this. It's because they're 14, 15, 16. It's because it isn't appropriate anymore. Mm -hmm. You've got to grow that up with them. It is about open communication. It is about, you mentioned about the bickering, which is such a good word, I think. But it's also about when we bicker, snap and get cross with each other and then we get into the door slamming, maybe swearing, maybe shouting, muttering under my breath, whatever my preferred strategy is. (laughs) And there are many I can choose from. There's a rupture in the relationship Mm -hmm. and we generally retreat to our various corners of the house and we're both worked up about it. The only one responsible for initiating relational repair is us parents. Yes, And it doesn't matter what your teenager said, what they did, who said it first, it doesn't matter because we have to teach and show that the relationship matters more than being right. And the relationship is stronger than the row. Yeah. no, That's that really important. That is brilliant. We kind of touched on this at the very beginning, but I want to go back to it. Like we are of a generation... I mean, I, I mean, helicopter parenting as a term wasn't something I even knew of until I had my daughter. And then I was like, oh, I think I might be that person. <laughs> but how do we as parents not fix everything? Because I know we did talk about it at the beginning, but I think it's worth going back to because, yeah. you know, each day children, daughters, uh, teenage daughters will come up with different various problems that mm-hmm. we think we see a solution to. But we're, as you say, blocking them if we do it. You're about the listening ear, so you're going to sit and you're going to listen to the problem, whatever it is that's been said to you. Listening means just listening, not talking. Then you're going to repeat back, not in a parroting way now, but you're just going to, okay, so I want to make sure I've understood this. What I've heard you say is, and you repeat it back, it gives them a chance to hear their own story reflected back to them. Right, okay. It also gives them a chance to quite honestly say, no, that's not what I said. And I'm really glad I checked with you. Can you tell me again and let them repeat it? So the story has gone over and back a couple of times. And then the important question is, is there something you would like me to do to help you with this? And if the answer is no, you have to sit on your hands, bite your tongue and respect their boundary. Okay. We're all about my boundaries and my teenagers not respecting, but do we honestly respect their boundaries as yeah. well? And we do. Now, this is utterly enlightening, Joanna. <laughs> this on, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be listening back to this myself multiple times. 
But, you know, it doesn't mean, depending on the nature of the issue, it doesn't mean that three or four days later, you might not want to go back and say, hey, about that thing you told me, are you still on top of it? You're dealing with Checking it? In, yeah. Is there anything I could now do? Because then your teenager can say, do you know what? I did try a couple of things and it hasn't worked. I do need to escalate this to okay. you. And you're, And if they say, no, no, it's fine, you can go, okay. And you Done. walk away. So we have to get comfortable with that uncomfortable feeling of I don't know everything. I don't have full control because one of those adjustments teenagers make is that and I, and they're supposed to, by the way, they is believe we've left the age of command, do as you're told. And I've entered the age of consent, negotiation. Let's talk about it. What about cooperation? How, Joanna, what would you say to parents listening to this podcast? Like, how could you, in not always ensure, because it's not always going to happen, but encourage that cooperation happens more often than not when you're setting, as you say, not your rules, but your boundaries? So you're going to have your red line issues. Yeah. Okay. Those I cannot move on. That may be that I will be picking you up from wherever it is you are because I'm not prepared to let you find your own way home. Mm -hmm. So I can't negotiate with you on that. And then you have what I'd call parental preferences. Okay. I would prefer if I could do drop you, pick you up at 10 o'clock, talk to the parents before you get there, do all of these things. But I don't think it's an essential. My red line issues are my parental essentials. Okay. My parental preferences is where I can be flexible. I'm not going to give in everything, by the way, on those because I will say, okay, I hear your invitation that I extend that curfew to 1 a.m. I want you home at 10. How about we agree at 11? Okay. Because I'm thinking, look, I can give that hour. I'm not giving you three hours. Yeah. But instead of getting into a standoff of no, no, no to one, no to one, I'm saying, how about 11? Yeah. You know, so I look like I'm working with you because I am. It's it's not a faking thing. I am working with you on this. Yeah. So be very clear. And I with yourself, first of all, but also with your teenager, I have parental essentials. Mm -hmm. This is what they are. You might not like them, but I can't move on these. And what about, I feel we're going to have a very long podcast here. What about, <laughs> um, uh, what about when your rules or boundaries, sorry, don't match those of your daughter's closest friends or their friend group and their peer group? That seems to me a really difficult situation. It is a really difficult situation. And it's where we have to actually look inwards because that's going to happen, yeah. first of all. And I think that's happening. I, I see that with my much younger child. So-and-so is allowed to do something or I don't know if that child is, by the way, or if that's just what they tell each other in yeah. school, you know. Yeah. So I'm also curious, not certain about <laughs> that one. And curiosity is our friend when we're parenting. Stay out of certainty, embrace curiosity I wonder, is that true? I wonder if I'm just going to run that by the other parent because maybe they know something I don't and yeah. I am able to change my mind. And then you do also have to use that famous phrase we've all said, I'm only parenting you. Yeah, I'm only responsible for you. Yeah, and you bring it back to what you've already hopefully discussed as, do you know what? This comes under my parental essentials. Yeah. This is one of my things I can't move on. I understand it's frustrating because you're looking at your friends and you see they're allowed to do something. And I'm sorry, it's hard for you. OK, I can be kind and I can be empathic. But I'm not moving on that. Right. And that's about, you know, the, the boundaries. And I think it's about flexibility because I might look within it. I can't give you that. But you know what? Talk me through the plan for the event, the party, the day. Sure, yeah. Let me see. Is there somewhere that I can be more flexible? Because if I can, I really will be. Yeah. 
That's brilliant. Before we let you go, we think of the junior years as being fun, fun, fun. <laughs> and I think we kind of, when they enter their independent phase, like turning into teenagers, that kind of leaves a little bit. How can we as a family, and again, I appreciate it's down to parents, but obviously getting the input of the kids of what they want to do. Like I often say to Joan, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm gathering three of your friends. What would you like to do? And it's like, it's bowling or it's the video yeah. arcades, whatever it is, or nails or whatever. So how do we kind of do that more? Because like that's a benefit to the whole family. Oh, yeah. And I think one of the things that we lose as our children enter adolescence, and I think teenagers lose this too, they mightn't say it overtly to you, but I hear it in yeah. conversations I have, is those special moments of meeting, you know, those opportunities for shared joy and genuine yeah. connection. They're replaced by tension and rouse. And so the only time we tend to come together is when I'm asking you for something I actually do know you're going to say no to. And then you do predictably say no. And then we fight over it. So I would be looking for small, like small micro moments that you can find in your day. And it might be making sure nobody gets their favorite dinner every day, but it might be making sure that on a particularly tough day or when you know there's been a double French lesson or whatever it might be, a biology test going on in school, that I have your spaghetti bolognese ready for you and you haven't had to ask. It might be when you're up in your room doing hours of study or homework that I am just bringing you without being asked a cup of tea and a snack. And it can be and every single day we should smile at our children, teenagers. Now, I don't want you in the kitchen looking like you're some kind of (laughs) manic, crazy face. And when they say to you, what's wrong with you? That's, you know, (laughs) you're not quite doing it right. But you smile, you make eye contact, you say good morning. Yeah. You say, I love you. And you say good night. Yeah. So that we do offer a hug every day. It may be turned down four days out of five. You might, but maybe on that Friday morning, it's, do you know what? Yes. Do you know I our joint moment of joy in our household is my husband and daughter making fun of me. And that happens daily, Joanna. So they get lots so you of You sacrifice joy. <laughs> yourself for that union that's so giving. But finding something that did spark joy. And you mentioned nails and you mentioned movies and things like that. Asking your teenager to go and see a movie with you is spending time together. But it's something that can feel quite comfortable for them because you're not going to be talking. Yeah, exactly. You're just sitting there, but you are together. And don't forget the value of being with each other mm-hmm. and doing not seemingly nothing, saying nothing, there's a whole lot of something happening. I know. Oh my God, you are just incredible, Joanna. I think that this is going to be so helpful to so many I people. I hope Dr. so. Joanna there's Fortune. so much we could talk about. I know. Well, we, <laughs> we know as a Shona Project podcast, we, we have a long list of topics and we would definitely like you back if you're open to that. Absolutely. Both would. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Um, episode one of the Shona Project podcast. Episode two is with Alex Cooney from CyberSafe Kids and we're going to talk about how to keep our kids, our daughters safe on online when they embark on their online life. Thank you guys for listening.